This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. The sword he's talking about, the truth of the Word of God. The world doesn't want the truth. The Word is offensive to a lot of people. You ever share the gospel? Well, I hope you're all sharing the gospel. You can experience that when you share the gospel. Say, whoa, that's offensive. Well, there goes the sword. It's sharp, isn't it? But we share the truth of the, the Word of God. And then you have peace. So grace, unmerited favor, um, is the grace that we experienced when we first came to Christ. God's Word is sharper than any two-edged sword. In today's message from Pastor Eddie, he explains to you that the truth is found in the Bible. God's Word never returns void and is always true. The world has a hard time receiving the truth of God because it's convicting. However, God doesn't bring conviction with condemnation. He brings conviction so that you may receive Him and receive eternal life that's found through Him. Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Philemon chapter 1. As he continues his message, Paul's greetings to Philemon. Look at the end of verse 9. He says, And now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Drop down to verse 10. And he says, Onesimus, whom I begotten while in my chains. Drop down to verse 13. He says that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains for the gospel. Drop down to verse 23. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus. Never gave credit to Rome. Never gave credit to a man. He's in chains not for man. He's in chains because of Jesus Christ. Paul sees the bigger picture here. And I hope that ministers to you and I because Paul didn't say, hey, why don't you do this? Uh, help me guys. I'm in prison. Why don't you get a prayer circle chain, send emails and texts and put it on Facebook to pray for me. I'm in prison. That God may set me free. No. Paul said, no. Praise the Lord. I'm in prison because of Jesus. Guess what? I have a prison ministry now. Paul was chained to Roman soldiers and every eight hours they had to chain. They had to be physically chained to the prisoner at that time. Paul, he let all the Roman soldiers that were chained to him, oh, I got eight hours with this guy. He's going to get saved. And then the other guys, they'll come out days. Okay, I just spent time with the Lord. When I was with Paul, they go on their knees. And then the next guy comes out. He's not going to convince me. Oh, no, I, that, that Jesus freak, oh, he's not going to get me. Guess what? He gets chained. He gets saved. And until the whole house was saved because of Jesus Christ. You know, it's, we need to realize that when we do suffer for Jesus, it's for Jesus. So often, oh, woe is me. Oh, you don't know what I'm going through. Listen, in America, we have no idea what it is to suffer as a Christian. So let's just start off from the top. And that's like 80% of just putting that aside. Because you don't know what it is to be persecuted for your faith. Christians in third world countries can't even gather together and worship God. We have the freedom and liberty. And we, oh, 
We want, oh, I'm, I'm going to watch it on Facebook. Oh, I'll go when I can. Oh, I don't want to go. There's a, there's a virus. We have all these little things. They'll go with virus, they're slapping mosquitoes. I've seen a picture where, there is, is a, you probably saw it on Facebook, where the church in some third world country, there was a flood up to their knees and thighs. They were, the pews were still filled and they were worshiping God. We complain about how much, what the temperature is here. And we can't worship God. We have all these things that hinder it. No. Worship the Lord. When we talk about suffering, anyway, I don't want to go, too, go off. But the big picture, he didn't ask for people to pray for him. Paul counted all joy when he suffered persecution. Look what he wrote to the church in Philippi. Philippians chapter 1, verses 23 to 30. He writes this, and remember this verse when you go home. It says, For to you it has been granted on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him. That's easy. We believe in Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But you, you get the, t- the people from the, the evangelists, you know, on TV. Oh, yeah. You know. It's been granted to believe in Jesus, but read the other half. But also to suffer. You're gonna, they're going to tell you to suffer? No. But also to suffer for his sake. Verse, verse 30, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here is in me. Yeah, we could believe in Jesus. Yeah, Christian land. You know, we speak Christianese, Christian everything. But are we willing to suffer for Christ? Are you willing to suffer for Christ? Or how about the conflict? That word conflict in the Greek is the word agon. When we get the word agony. So we're not saying, oh yeah, yeah, they don't give me a raise because I'm a Christian. Who cares? I didn't get the promotion because I'm a Christian. Who cares? Complain to the people, our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering in prison right now in third world countries. Counted all joy. Paul saw the bigger picture. He didn't say, woe is me, feel bad for me, pray for me for my release. No. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter 8, verse 18, Paul says this, For I consider that the suffering of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. If we only understood what is ahead of us when we enter into the presence of God. But we want the now. We want to be happy now. And the things that we complain about, are you kidding me? That's not suffering. Paul considers himself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Counted all joy when you go through various trials and tribulations. Counted all joy. It doesn't make sense. That we should call ourselves a prisoner of Jesus Christ when we're in prison. But the Paul does because he's there because of Jesus Christ. And so we need to look at these things. We need to understand, you know, what we go through, what we suffer. It's nothing. Nothing. Paul writes this. He said, verse 1, let's go back to verse 1. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. Timotheus, Timothy, his true son in the faith. Paul is at the end of his life, getting close to the end of his life. He's getting ready to pass the, uh, pa- the pastoral ma- mantle to him. And he's there with him. He's not a co-author of this. He's just with him. He said, our brother, the plural pro- pronoun here mentioned, is letting Philemon know that he's a Christian. Timothy's a Christian. I'm a Christian. We are brothers in Christ. He says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved friend and fellow laborer. 
And so Philemon, the recipient, his name means affectionate. And apparently um, he, he was true to his name that Paul would call him a beloved friend. He calls him a beloved friend. A fellow laborer, one that works in the ministry. And I think it's important that Paul insert this here, not only for Philemon, but for you and I, to understand we're co-laborers with Christ. Every single one of us, we've been given a gift, a gift or gifts when we accepted Christ as Lord and personal Savior. Every single one of us have a ministry, a ministry. We should be a part of a ministry, every single one of us. Because we're co-laborers with God, with Christ. Look at what Paul wrote to the church of Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. He writes this, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. We are co-workers with God. And let me tell you something. Jesus, when he came here, he set the example. Jesus set the example when he came here. What did Jesus say? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but the Son of Man came to serve. He washed the feet of the disciples. He set the example. There's four Gospels and for us to read, to learn, to live like Christ. We have Matthew, uh, um, Matthew Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? And, it, 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 and, and Christ is recorded, his ministry. How, he showed the disciples how to be compassionate, how to love, how to care, how to wash the feet of people. So we're co-laborers. We labor for the gospel. We serve one another. Every single one of us. So he, he calls himself a co-laborer. Verse 2, he says, To the beloved Althea, Archippus, our fellow soldier, and to the church in your house. And Paul is addressing Althea, Archippus, and the church uh, because uh, it applies to everyone. We are all to receive him because, let's say if Philemon accepts the appeal and is it has forgiven Onesimus. The others in the house may not forgive him. And you've seen that. If the leader forgives, okay, he may forgive, but the other people are not going to forgive. Oh, I don't know how he forgave people. I'm not going to forgive people. No. It's a family effort. The whole family must forgive. The whole family is to reconcile. And so... He, write, he continued to write in verse 3. He says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We find this in almost all of Paul's letters. He'll, he'll either begin by saying grace and peace or he'll close by saying grace and peace. But you'll always find these together. Grace and peace. In, the, in Paul's letters, they go, you'll never find peace and then grace. You'll always find grace and then peace. Paul, in Paul's day, they, they didn't say grace and peace or peace and grace. They didn't say that. The Jews would say shalom, which means rest, right? And the, the Greeks or the Gentiles would say charis, which means uh, grace. In other words, may you have a day better than you deserve. When we say good day, to them it was one word and it meant a lot more. May you have a day better than you deserve. And so what Paul did, this is Paul. Paul is one that came up with this greeting. This is, no one came up with this greeting because it's a theological greeting. It's a lot, it's a lot of uh, uh, you know, theology behind it. 
grace and then peace. Because Paul realized, hey, we're, we're gathered together. We're grafted in. There's neither Jew nor Gentiles. Okay? There's no Italians, blacks, or Hispanics. We're all together in Christ. The human race. We're the ones that love to divide. But he says grace and, grace and peace. Grace um, is the word charis is mentioned 155 times in the New Testament. And it means unmerited, undeserved, unearned favor. And it's the grace of God because you can't have peace. We'll never have peace. The world wants peace, but they never will have peace until they have the grace of God. Never. You could say shalom a hundred times. You could say peace. Peace in the Middle East. Peace. You could have the peace sign. Whatever. That's why Jesus, when he came, he said, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Whoa. Jesus said that? Yeah. What are you, he's talking about, this is a worldly peace, by the way. That really doesn't last, and there's always consequences. There's always something behind. But we're talking, the sword, he's talking about the truth of the word of God. The world doesn't want the truth. The word is offensive to a lot of people. You ever share the gospel? Well, I hope you're all sharing the gospel. You can experience that when you share the gospel. Say, whoa, that's offensive. Well, that's, there goes the sword. It's sharp, isn't it? But we share the truth of the, the word of God. And then you have peace. So grace, unmerited favor, um, is the grace that we experienced when we first came to Christ. We've been saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Paul writes this, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Grace, we've been saved by grace, amazing grace. And that grace stays with us throughout, throughout our walk with the Lord. As long as, you know, should the Lord tarry or when you, be, when you go before the, the Lord and the Lord takes you. Grace, remember, we studied this in Titus. The grace that saves you is the grace that trains you. It is the grace of God. And once you have the grace of God, you've been saved by grace, now you have peace. Now you have peace. Now you have shalom. And this is a peace that, has, that God has planned to give all of man from the very beginning. The rest. When we think about the Sabbath, people get so legalistic about it. Oh, this is the Sabbath. You got to worship God here on this day. I said, I thought I was supposed to worship him every day. That's why Jesus, you know, uh, you know, the Pharisees, the religious, you know, the men in black would come with their curls. And you're healing on the Sabbath. Ah! And the curls get straight. You can't be doing it. Did somebody tell Jesus it's Sunday, Sabbath, Saturday? Did somebody tell him it's Shabbat? You can't heal people. Person is dying. No. That's work. You can't heal a blind man. Do you say, oh, yeah? He spits on the floor. And then he takes the mud. Puts it on the man's eye. Go wash yourself. Jesus could have said, See, light your, your, your sight restored. But the reason why he spat on the ground is because they added to the law. They were so legal as they added more. Because they weren't allowed to spit on the Sabbath because, I don't mean to gross you out. I hope I don't lose your appetite. But the saliva, your saliva would work and make mud. That's why they couldn't spit. So that's why, oh yeah, really, even my spit is going to be working right now. Spit, 
put on, and that's it. So Jesus actually, he didn't break the law, the Lord's law, because what happened? You know, Jesus said, I did not come to, you know, break the law. I came to fulfill it. But it was man's law. They added to it. So see, the rest was always from there from the beginning. God had planned this rest. Even as far back, we can see rest in the name Noah. Noah's name means rest. And the ark rested on Mount Ararat. And if you look at the Jewish calendar, you could do the research, okay? If you have a Jewish calendar in your house. The Jewish calendar, they have calculated back when the ark rested on Mount Ararat, that very day, Jesus rose from the grave. The very day. Because when Jesus rose from the grave, there is rest. You see, that's why the Christians worshiped on the day of the Lord, the day that Christ was raised on a Sunday. So if you want to worship God Saturday, go ahead. Friday, I'm going to worship God every day. Now, yes, it's healthy to take a day off. It's important. But you, you don't have to get legalistic about it because Jesus says the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Okay? And Jesus used to go after the Pharisees. Yeah, you talk about, you know, not working or even sacrifices. Who's cutting up the lambs? Who's cutting up the lambs for the sacrifice that all in the day of Passover that they would bring almost two million people would come on the day of Passover? Who's doing all the work? The high priest, they would bring the lamb to the high priest. What was the high priest doing on the Passover? Work. Sacrificing the lamb. And so you see, they, they, they missed the point. Because our rest is in Jesus Christ. So that's, the, that's shalom. That's the, that's the rest. That's the peace. That's what shalom means. It means rest, peace. And we have grace. And so this is why it's important. Because without the grace of God... Salvation through the cross, we would not have peace. We would not have peace. And so, Paul created this greeting, grace and peace. I went out of my notes here, but anyhow, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For he is our peace. Peace is not in a day, it's not on the calendar, it's not once a year, twice a year, it's not at the end of the week. Peace is not in the day, peace is in the person, Jesus Christ. It's in the person, Jesus Christ. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. The peace of God that surpasses all all understanding, to understand what Paul is writing here to the church of Philippi that surpasses all understanding. You can have the most intelligent minds in the world in one room and all the, the, the brains and the wisdom and knowledge they have will not understand why you, a believer in Jesus Christ, are going through what you're going through, but you have a peace in your heart and you have a peace in your mind. Why? Because peace is in the person. It's not on programs, it's not on, on, on medication, it's not on anything, but peace is in God and God alone. And the world always have these substitutes for peace, but it never will last. So this is why the Apostle Paul writes this and he says, grace, because of the grace of God, we can now have peace. And he came up with this title. 
And this is how he writes to the church. And this is for you and I to understand that we have the peace of God only because we have the grace of God. And so as we look at this and we study Philippians and we continue on, Lord willing, next week, we'll continue to to look at the other verses. But there's a lot of meat and potatoes in here for just a small letter. It's packed with mercy, grace. It's packed with forgiveness. It's packed with reconciliation. This is what this letter is about. This is the reason why it's in your Bible today. It has blessed maybe billions of Christians throughout the centuries. And I, we know for sure because it's the word of the Lord. It will never return back void. It will never hit the ground. That it will be a blessing to you as we continue to study this. But as we move on, remember, pray. Pray to the Lord that if there's someone in your life that you have not forgiven, that you forgive them. No matter what, I don't care how serious they offended you. Forgive them. Because that's when your healing begins. Because God forgave you. There's not a single person that has suffered in the hands of someone else worse than what Christ has suffered for the world. Christ died for the sins of the world. When he was on the cross, he said, Father, why have thou forsaken me? Because God cannot dwell with sin, but it was your sin, all the sins you could think of in the world, the most evil, wicked sin a million times over, and you take it from history, from the time of the garden, even up to now. You take all the sins of the world ever committed by every human being, and you place it on the cross, and that is the reason why history tells us that it was a dark cloud. And that's what separated the Father and the Son because of sin. So we offended God. We have sinned against God in the worst way. Yet God forgave you. God forgave you. So no matter what you're holding in, I don't know how many years, forgive. Forgive those that have hurt you. Forgive those who have wronged you. Because that's when you realize that God forgave you. Amen? That's what this letter is about, forgiveness. And so pray as we go through this book. You know, hopefully it reminds you forgiveness, reconciliation, reconciliation. It doesn't mean you have to have a a close relationship with a person, but forgiveness. Not say, I forgive you, but I won't forget. No, forgive so that you will forget because that's the reason why you keep being reminded of that every day of your life because you have yet to forgive. So who's suffering? The person that hurt you or you yourself? Reconciliation, forgiveness. Amen. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie has been drawing real-world lessons from the book of Philemon. This is a letter written by the Apostle Paul and sent with Onesimus, a man who was formerly a bondservant to Philemon. Paul pleads for Philemon to accept him as the brother that he is in Christ. Just like it says in Galatians 3.28, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the great equalizer. And as his followers... 
we should be advocating for that same unity within our churches. Let's follow Paul's example and plead for our brothers and sisters to be treated like valued members of the community. Running the Race is a ministry out of Calvary Chapel of Milford. And here's Jessica with an invitation just for you. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Thanks, Jessica. Are you in the New York, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania area? Then take advantage of this open invitation. Stop in and see us today. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. Thanks for joining us here today. We'll be back next time with more from Pastor Eddie on Running the Race.